very, very excited about this series next. Just a three-part series we're finishing up today, and uh, I think it's going to be good for you. You know, life is short, and life is long. It's both. Uh, it just depends which way you look at it. And the thing about life and living Christianity is that there's always next steps that we need to take. There's always something next. When you have nothing that is next, you may be in the funeral parlor. They don't have anything next except eternity, right? And so the, the Bible teaches us about life. And the thing about life is this. Life is a lot like toothpaste. It really is. You get that new tube of toothpaste, and man, when it's time to brush your teeth, you just kind of squeeze it on there, man. You know, it's just like, whatever. It's, you just brush, it's just running down your chest, you know. But on the morning that you wake up and you open the, wherever, wherever your toothpaste is, and, and you realize that there's only a small amount. Of, you ever notice how you start just using just that little tiny bit? That's how life is. When we're young, we just squeeze it all over, you know what I mean? But then as we get older, or we get into certain predicaments, we're a little bit more conservative on how we use it. And the Bible teaches us about that in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. It starts off, and Moses wrote this psalm, and, and he says, teach us. Teach us to number our days or to recognize the shortness of the days. Uh, it's amazing that we have to be taught about our days. If we believe the Bible and we do, then the Bible's saying, you know what? Every individual has to be taught about how to live life and how to number your days and how to take a look and recognize the days to take them very seriously. And then he says that we may gain a heart of wisdom. A wisdom meaning that we uh, know how to apply knowledge. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. And a, a lot of things we do in life, we, 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 don't, we don't do because we don't value them. There's a lot of things. If I don't value something, I just don't do a lot of things I don't value. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, there are certain restaurants that I don't value in town. And I don't go to those restaurants. Maybe once. We went to a restaurant. We were in a conference this week. We went to a restaurant. We sat down and then we looked at each other and said, I don't think so. And we just all got up and left, you know. And I think we made the right choice in, in doing that. Uh, no one on their deathbed talks about most of the stuff that people who are healthy spend their life doing. It, it really is amazing. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, so be careful how you live. Be careful. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise, in other words, those who are able to apply knowledge, make the most of every opportunity, meaning that every little bit of time, every time, every chance you get, make the most out of every opportunity uh, in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Oh, how many times have I acted thoughtlessly? Not being calculated, not numbering my days, we have to act thoughtfully, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. In other words, understand what's going on here, man. God, what do you want me to do? Because God has plans for you, 
And that's our goal of this, to dive into that. I, I wanted to uh, share with you a, a little something that, uh, about life. It's, it's not theologically correct, okay? It's not theologically correct. It's, as a matter of fact, it's absolutely incorrect. But I thought it might bring some clarity to what we're talking about. On the first day, God created a dog. And he told the dog, he said, I want you to sit down and I want you to bark at every person you see and I'm gonna give you 20 years to do that. And the dog looked at God and said, God, that's a long time uh, to, to bark at people. How about uh, I keep 10 years and I give you 10 years back? He, and God said, okay. And on, on the second day, God created a monkey. And, and, and he told the monkey, he said, I want you to entertain people by doing monkey tricks. And I'm gonna give you a lifespan of 20 years. And the monkey said, my God, he said, 20 years doing monkey tricks. He said, that's a long time. He said, how about I keep 10 and give, uh, give you 10 back? And God said, oh, okay, all right, I'll do that. And then on the third day, God created a cow. And he told the cow, he said, I'm gonna give you 60 years. And what you're gonna do here, you're, going to, you're gonna be outside, work with the farmer, have calves and make milk. And the cow said, God, 60 years, that's a long time to have cows and give milk and he said how about I give you uh, 40 years and I keep 20 and God said well, I, I, that sounds good and and then God created man and he told the man he said I want you to drink be merry have fun sleep rest be entertained and I'm gonna give you 20 years and, and the man said only 20 years for all that he said how about I take the 10 years that you gave the, the dog and I keep the years you're gonna give me, the 20 years, and then I take 10 years you gave the monkey, and how about I take the 40 years you give the cow? And God said, hmm. He said, well, I think so. And so um, that's why for the first 20 years of our life, we spend it uh, eating, sleeping, drinking, and having fun. And the next 40 years of our life, we spend toiling in the hot sun, supplying the needs of our family. And then the next 10 years, we spend doing monkey tricks, entertaining our grandchildren. <laughs> you know how that is. And this is getting close to applying to me. The last 10 years, you just sit on the porch and bark at everything that passes by. You know what I mean? And that is life all wrapped together. Now, that's funny, I don't care what nobody says, that's funny, and you need to laugh about that, all right? So in order for us to know what the next steps are, we've got to know what, what we value and what really matters, because you cannot make the next steps until you, you know what really, really matters. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, people perish. No vision, and that's not talking about vision, seeing with your eyes. Actually, it comes from the Hebrew word, because the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language, and it means, uh, it's, it's a Hebrew word, it's, it's calzone. Now, I, I'm, it's not talking about that Italian folded over pizza that some of you are probably gonna eat today. Calzone, and, and really what it means, is it means a revelation, it means a dream or a vision. So he's saying people perish because they don't have a dream for their life, they don't have a revelation of God or they don't have a, a, a vision for what's going on. They just sort of hanging out. Because a, a life with vision is a life of focus. 
We focus. You know, and everybody's got a plan for our life. Did you know that? Did you know McDonald has a plan for your life? It does. And not only does McDonald's have a plan, but Hollywood has a plan for your life. And every telemarketer that calls you and every advertiser has a plan for your life. You just buy their product and you will lose 50 pounds in 50 minutes. <laughs> you will. I believe that. I bought a bunch of it last night on QVC. <laughs> and can't you tell? Well, I'm, I'm only into four hours, so it's, it's not there yet. So, so but, but, but a focused life, a focused life is one that knows when to say yes and when to say no, because sometimes you've got to say no. You cannot say yes to everything. You've got to learn to focus and give yourself to the things that will work you in your purpose. A life of vision is also a life that's filled with endurance. Many people, because they lose sight of the goal of their life, they give up. They lose endurance. You've got to have a goal. You've got to be able to see the goal line. You've got to keep it in focus of what's going on. The moment you lose focus of the goal is the moment you lose direction in your life. And by the way, you can be very, very focused when you're very, very young. You don't have to wait until you're 40 to get focused. Matter of fact, if you wait that long, you might be too long. The third thing about a life is that a, a, a life of vision is a life that brings fulfillment. We need to be fulfilled. And many folks are looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. Just think about it because most of us, is look, we've looked in the wrong place. We play in hide and go seek with vision and with purpose. But watch this. I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else today, hear what I'm getting ready to say. We want to find those things that will fulfill our life rather than just fill our life. Now that was an aha moment. Y'all, I should have had a better, a better response. Oh, I know, you were so overwhelmed at that statement that you know, so I'm gonna say it again. We need to have a life and we need to find those things that will fulfill your life rather than just fill your life. Because you can fill your life with a lot of things and still see yourself unfulfilled. As a matter of fact, if you don't have any kind of happiness in your life right now, you need to stop today, sit down and spend all afternoon and say, what's wrong with me? Okay? So it's a life of focus, it's a life of endurance, it's a life that is fulfilled. And because there is so much in life to choose from, to fill up our life and so much to choose to find purpose and all that, we need to find out what really matters. There are a lot of things that matter in life, but we've got to come to a place where we find out what really matters. And I know what you're thinking. You think what you're doing right now really matters. I'm in high school, I've got to get out, that's what really matters. Sherry likes Joey, but she should be liking me. And that really matters. Let me tell you something. They got a whole bunch of guys and gals out there, so don't get stuck on just one too soon. 
okay? You know, it's like, it's the only car. This is the last Ford Taurus left in the world. Maybe for a Taurus, I don't know. We drove one forever. Dear God, thank you for giving us another car. Matter of fact, we drove two Taurus wagons for like 120 years until the kids left. Now we sporting, bro. You hear what I'm saying? Take your station wagon and take a hike. I ain't riding in a minivan no more either. So let's get on what really, really matters. And I believe there are three things that really, really matter that really matter, and here they are. The first thing, you ready? God matters. And I believe you think God matters because you're in the house of God today. I think, I think you think God matters and, and, uh, and you want to see God's will and you want to know what's going on because uh, in, the, in the end, when things are all said and done, God's not going to ask you how much money you made or what kind of position you got in the corporation or all that. He's going to want to know two things. You ready? These are the two things God's going to want to know. He's going to look at you and say, do you know me? Amen. And then he's going to turn around and say, and the second question, do I know you? Amen. And I'm going to tell you what, when you face God, those are the two things that matter and nothing else matters. God matters. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, the Apostle Paul says, these were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says that everything else doesn't mean much. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. He had the right perspective. He said, God matters. All the stuff doesn't matter, but God matters. And I want to tell you this, there's a gravitational pull on every one of you in this room, including yours truly standing up here right now sharing. There's a gravitational pull for us in our emotions, in our passions, in our energies to love things that just don't really matter. It's pulling on all of us. It really is. Luke chapter 12, verse 20, Jesus, he, he tells a story about a man, a farmer, had a great crop, filled all his barns up, was sitting down one night saying, you know what I think I'll do? I, th I think I, what I'll do, I'm gonna build more barns. I'm, I'm just gonna, gonna, gonna store up more and more and more. And Jesus said this, he said, but God said to the man, he said, you're a fool. You're a fool because this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Mm. And you know what he said? Then Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Matthew, the word of God sometimes, it just kind of rattles your cage, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes the word of God just shoots me to the moon and says, oh, wow. And then sometimes it's like the Lord just takes his hand and I'm in this little cage like a little canary and he just goes. Hey, man, my feathers get all ruffled. My eyes roll around. I chirp a few times and then I get quiet and I say, my God, that's powerful. That's what happens with scriptures like this. 
God matters. I'll tell you another thing that matters. People matter. People matter. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this. Somebody said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you've got to love God with all of your heart. And he said, the second commandment is just like the first. Just like the first. The second commandment is just like the first. You love your neighbor as yourself. So God matters and people matter. They really do. If, you, if, you, if you're upset right now, you're probably upset with a person, with people. And uh, you're probably like the little Korean pastor who said, every day I forgive many people because I hate so many people. <laughs> you have to forgive people. You have to forgive people. We just spent last weekend with 125 people from the church, many of you in this room, dealing with forgiving and releasing people who did things that were terrible to you. Things that plagued you for five, 10, 15, some for 40 years. And finally, Jesus comes to the rescue. And in that LIFE retreat, Living in Freedom Every Day retreat, great things took place and people were set free. Galatians 5.13 says, serve one another humbly in love. And the Bible teaches us to forgive, release, and not to become bitter towards one another. I mean, it's amazing what happens. We get bitter towards someone and we think our bitterness is really going to affect them. Folks, they at Walmart buying cheese. <laughs> and you're depressed. And your bitterness is eating you up and they're having fun. So it's to your advantage to forgive and release people and live with people. Come on. Let's all live together in some harmony. Come on now. Let's quit being so negative. Let's just quit. quit. Man, give people a break. Come on, let people live. Live and let live. Come on, James Bond. Come on. Come on, Beatles. Man, listen to a Beatles song. Man, live and let live. Come on. Just man, get off of the negativity. Smile at me if you're negative. Get off the negativity. It's amazing. It's amazing when we're healthy and young and tough. We argue, we fight, we've got such strong opinions, but when we're ready to die, we soften up and we say things like, I love you and I wish I would have spent more time with you and would you come and sit by me for five minutes and can I touch your face one more time? Sometimes we're young and we're proud and we think we're strong. Years ago, before we knew what AIDS were, a lady came into our church. She asked if I could visit her son, and I did, and he was 24, and I went into their home, and he was alone in the home, sitting on the couch, just a frame of a young man, cheeks sunken in, eyeballs, black circles around his eyes, and they told me he had cancer. We found out later it was AIDS. But I sat there and talked with that young man. And he said, you know, Brother Van, that's what he used to call us. He said, the styles of clothes doesn't matter to me any longer or what kind of car I'm driving. He said, everything has changed. And I spent time with him and prayed with him and Next time I saw him, he's laying in the bed in a comb in the hospital room. His mother's on the side of him, and I'm sitting in a chair. And he dies right there as we're sitting together. 
And that mother was just holding her son, and she looked at me and she said, Would you come and would you touch my son? I'm telling you, folks, people matter. What people go through matters. Sometimes the trials they go through are their own fault. Do you have a fault? They matter so much. Matthew 25, 35 says, For I was hungry, Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and I was a stranger and you invited me in. When you touch people, you're touching God. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you touch people, you're touching God and we're touching people in Nepal tomorrow and we're touching God. Treat people right, serve people because people matter and hurting people matter a lot. Because you may hurt tomorrow or day after. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. God matters. People matter. And eternity matters. Eternity matters. The vast majority of your life is going to be spent on the other side of the grave. This is a little short time. And in eternity. So, so we've got to focus in on that. We've got to realize that that's what matters. Our life is like a vapor. Jesus said in Luke 12, watch out. He said, man, I want you to watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. That's the now life. This now life is a greedy life. We all struggle with greed. It's greedy. He said, you want to be careful of that. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. We have a hard time getting that through our head. Because so much is shoved at us that we think we have to have, but not so. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, do not store for yourself treasures on earth. Too much investment now, too much. Don't store up too much now. We're moth and, and vermin destroy. And we're thieves break in and steal, but store it for yourselves treasures in heaven. Come on now, where moth and vermin do not uh, destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there's where your heart is. You want to know where your heart is? Find your treasure and you'll find your heart. We want to be like the man who saw a field and in it there was a great, a great prize there, a great treasure. And he went and he sold everything that he had and he bought that field and that's talking about Christ. Christ is the pearl of great price. Here's a question. Have you contemplated lately? Have you blocked out a little time lately to think about where you're going to spend eternity? Have you stopped in this whirlwind of activity that we have just long enough to sit down on the side of your bed or in your car or at your desk at work or on that tractor and say, Lord, where is the destination of my eternity? Because God matters and people matter. And you know what? Eternity matters and it matters a lot. So when we look at these three things that matter tremendously, how do we live a life that matters? What's our eternal steps? 
Let me give them to you real quick. First, you must know your purpose. Did you know that 87% of people surveyed, 87%, they don't have a clue of why they're on planet Earth. They have a clue. Well, I guess I'm here. Most are living in the survival mentality. Instead of the significance mentality, they're in the survival mentality. I know who I am and why I exist. It evades people. They, they try to find out, am I an accident? Am I not? I would say, why don't we jump up in the 13% who know why we're living on this earth and what's going on? Elvis Presley, you all know him. Elvis Presley sold 250 million albums. That's a lot. When he died in 1970, he had, he had done 33 movies, and he had, they said he had one billion fans. When, when he was alive, there were 300 Elvis impersonators. Now there are an estimated 85,000. Lord help us, they're everywhere. <laughs> You'd have thought that a person like that would have been happy. But his wife Priscilla wrote in Reader's Digest many, many years ago, and this is what she wrote. He never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose in life was. He thought he was here for a reason, maybe to preach or maybe to serve, maybe to save or, or maybe to care for people. She said that agonizing desire was always with him so he'd go on stage so he wouldn't have to think about it. You never know what's inside of people. You have no idea. You would have thought Elvis, I tell you, he's one of the best looking men I've ever seen. Hey, I like ladies, but he's a good looking guy. Okay? <laughs> Man, and he's, he's a mes he was a mesmerizing personality. And he seemed to be such a wonderful person and so likable. But evidently in the inside, he was an empty man searching for a purpose. And he never found it, evidently. I wonder how many of you, or maybe just like Elvis, I mean, really, and this is not some preaching thing. I wonder how many of you are empty inside and you just get on stage your stage, because you just can't really figure out what in the world you're living on earth for. Doesn't have to be an entertainment stage. It could be this stage. It could be me. I need purpose just like you. I need to understand what's going on. How do you find your purpose? You must know your creator if you're ever going to find your identity. Because your true purpose and identity is found in God. That's your DNA. We come from God. And so we find God. Psalm 139 talks about you. This is about you. This is what God thinks about you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to pass. My whole life, my whole purpose, everything has already been written in Jesus. 
Colossians 1.16 in the message says, for everything, absolute everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. We're searching in the wrong places, a lot of people. We're going to find our purpose. And once you know your purpose, then you're going to grow into your potential. Two questions you need to ask yourself. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. The first, what am I doing that I should not be doing? You have to think. Come on, folks, we've got to think. We cannot be mindless chair sitters. You have to think, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? What am I watching? Where am I at? Who am I with? Where am I, what am I pursuing that I should not be pursuing? And when you find them, you need to pluck them out like a thorn in your side and get rid of them. The second question is, what am I not doing that I should be doing? And this takes thought. This takes energy. This, this takes contemplation and meditation to find out Maybe I should be giving, maybe I should be sharing, maybe I should be loving, maybe I should be seeking, maybe I should pray, maybe I should be serving. Please, folks, come on now. Let's not just be sermon hearers. Let's be seekers. People that seek out. God, you created me, and what do you want me to do, Lord? I mean, he doesn't mind if you talk a little rough to him. He doesn't, matter if, he doesn't mind if you scream at him. The psalmist was screaming all the time. Why, Lord, you're leaving us here? What's going on? Just this morning in the one year Bible, Gideon saying, what's up, God? Where's all the miracles? Where's all the stuff going on? And God didn't get afraid and cry. He said, stand up, you mighty man. Let me talk to you for a second. Here's an angel. Make a meal. Put a stick on it and burn it up right there. Come on, get with the program, young man. Next thing you have to do, you got to grow to your potential. Come on, folks. There is so much potential in this room. Like It's like... <laughs> So much power, so much potential, so much in the young and the old. You old folks, listen to me. I'm on your side of the fence. There's a lot of fire left in the belly. Did you hear what I'm saying? Come on. <laughs> I could preach now, but I got to keep going. You know, Information doesn't grow people. People grow people. Man, it's not like I can get another good sermon, another good sermon, Pastor. Let me just file it away somewhere in an old dusty file cabinet. People grow people. That's why small groups are so amazing and relationships are so amazing because relationships grow you. The Bible says in Proverbs that iron sharpens iron. And let me tell you something about iron sharpening iron. Your marriage is like iron sharpening iron. You think, I'm just all about kissing and hugging and kissing. Oh, I love you, baby. And most of the time it's about like <laughs> sharpening you up. You grow to your potential by getting in relationship with people who challenge you. Because you're all right by yourself. 
You got it made until somebody else comes on and says, what's up with that that you're doing? What's up with that where you were? Why? You need to get out of there. Once you start growing in your potential, then God redirects you and gives you a next step. And that next step is that you sow the seeds that benefit others. You see, you know, you grow, so you can sow. You don't know and grow so you can just say, I know I grew. That's it. It's for a purpose. And it's to sow. You can sow a hug, you can sow a smile. Let me tell you something, you can sow an encouraging word, a gift. Open your eyes, look around, start sowing seeds, start blessing, start helping. As individuals and as a church, I wanna do something that matters. I wanna leave a mark on this generation that when we're all gone, they say, hey, somebody did something. There's a dent in the earth because they lived. (laughs) Northwood is a church that accomplished something. That's what it's that's what we want to do. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Remember this? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And each of you should give. Not just talking about money. Each of you should give what you've decided in your hearts to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You give because you're open to God. So what is the next step? Here it is, folks. And I believe this. We didn't just preach these three weeks just so that we could say another one done, follow away. What's next week? Why not start doing something today? Why not take your next step today? Why stay the same another day? Why contemplate? Let's just do it today. He that sows generously will reap generously. Take the purpose that you discover at the time where you are right now and sow that purpose. You say, Pastor, you got to give me my purpose. I don't know your purpose completely. It's time for you to seek God. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I thank you for your church. God, I thank you that you're helping us. We we have no direction without you, Holy Spirit, helping us. Lord, we want to go to the next step. We want to do something significant with life. I'm asking you to speak to your people, Lord. Give them ears to hear. And Lord God, give them a heart to obey. Feet and hands to move. Eyes to see. And Lord, let us accomplish something in this earth as we move to the next step. Now, if you're in this room right now with every head bowed, For many, many, many of you, your next step is to do what Paul said, and that is put everything behind you and choose Christ. It's not a religious experience, folks. This thing is for eternity. This is the big deal. This is what really matters. First things first, put everything else out of your heart, out of your mind, out of your life. Just stand before God right now 
If you realize that your heart is not right, that your life is not accepting to God, that you have not given yourself fully over to Jesus, I want to pray with you right where you are. And I believe right now you can become a child of God. Maybe you couldn't sing that song in the beginning that said, I am a child of God. But right now you can. This is what I want to do while you got your heads bowed. I'm just going to ask you, if that's you, if you say, Pastor, I want to pray. I want to dedicate my life to Jesus. I'm serious about this. I believe now is the time for me to serve the Lord. Shoot your hand up right now. Don't even hesitate one moment. Just put it up in the air right where you are. Thank you for your hand, sir. Thank you over here. Yes, thank you. Thank you over here. Come on, just keep... Put them up, put them up, put them up. Come on, people, come on, come on, right now. You know whether or not you're right there. Yeah, thank you, thank you, come on. Just put them up. Let's not play a game. There's no time for games. There's no time. This is your eternity. Right now, you're making an eternal decision right now to serve the living God. Anybody else? If you haven't, just shoot it up. If you haven't, yes, sir, thank you. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else, anybody else, anybody else? Right now. And some of you are so hesitant, your hand is wanting to go up. You're holding it down with the other hand. Your heart is already open to God. You wouldn't be doing that if the Holy Spirit wasn't drawing you to God. Now you who raised your hand, and even if you didn't, I want you to pray with me right now, this very moment. Just say, Father in heaven, I want to love you. I want to be your child. That's right. You're just saying this to God. I want my sins forgiven, Lord. I want you to take my life and give me purpose. Make me the person you want me to be. I give you myself completely. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And so I receive him right now as my Lord and as my Savior. Right here, right now, you're in this place. You become a child of God if your heart is open and you meant what you said. Father, I pray over those that just prayed that simple prayer. And I thank you that your ears are always open to those whose hearts are open. Thank you for doing that, Lord. Thank you for touching the people in this room today and giving us purpose and next steps. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap for those who just prayed. Come on, Pastor Casey. Come on, go. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van DeCody, wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv locations, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give. You can give a one-time donation or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.